You're listening to Hockey to Heroin, the road to recovery on the Hockey Podcast Network. New episodes Wednesdays and Saturdays. Follow Hockey to Heroin on Twitter. That's at Hockey, the number two heroin for updates and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Ladies and gentlemen. It's majestic and resolute. Where you pursue your dreams with hard work, dedication, sacrifice, discipline, and passion. But above all, it's respect for what the ice can do for you. It was always my goal to make it to the NHL. Since I can remember, I wanted to be a hockey player. When you're hot, you're hot. Brayley of old with his fourth goal of the game. And the Colorado Rockets having a whole lot of fun tonight. But the ice and all its majesty can be back when you least expect it. An injury, my first year pro at 21 years old, led me down a dark path to Oxford. Shortly after that, I found myself addicted to heroin and not playing hockey. Demons hide in every corner. They can take everything away from you. Everything you worked so hard to achieve. And before you know it, the demons own you. Ultimately, I became homeless on the streets in Vancouver on Hastings, which is widely known as the worst block in North America. Brady Leovold was on the edge of realizing his dream of playing in the NHL. Then he lost it all to drug addiction. I was hiding a dark secret. These are real stories about pain, loss, and genuine people. The sad truth of it all, success comes with a price. Wanted to die, any time I was in the psych ward, tried to commit suicide. Welcome to the Hockey to Heroin Road to Recovery Podcast with your host, Brady Beavold. Welcome back to another edition of Hockey Day on the Road to Recovery. Guys, this is episode number 55. Uh, thank you so much for joining me on this Saturday. If you're watching live, either on Facebook or on YouTube, Thank you so much uh, for spending your Saturday with us here. Uh, look forward to a good show. Uh, you know, if you follow me on Facebook, uh, you know, I've had a rough 48 hours. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Um, but hey, I'm still here. I'm not using. Um, I'm not exactly great, I would say. I've always said I'll be honest, guys. So, I have to be honest, uh, things aren't the greatest, uh, but we keep our head high. We push forward. Uh, we don't go back. Uh, I haven't got much sleep, if I'm honest. Uh, I'm not going to go into details about what's happening, but it's not as much uh, to do with me uh, as it's to do with uh, outside family issues. Uh, and I just hope that everything gets resolved shortly. Uh, but anyways, guys, thank you uh, so much uh, for tuning in, like I said. And if you're not watching live, uh, I hope you're watching or listening rather. I did it again. Sorry. On the Hockey Podcast Network, guys. You could check them out anywhere on social media at HockeyPodnet. And of course, their website, www.thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. Guys, they have uh, close to something like 40 podcasts now. Uh, check them out. 
Let's support them, guys. Terry Ryan came out with another new episode. Uh, and Brad Lieb is close to launching his new podcast. And uh, they got some new uh, investors. Lots of things happening with the Hockey Podcast Network, guys. So be sure uh, to check them out. Uh, if anyone is listening and, and following along, you hear me talking about the Puck Support Foundation quite a bit. Um, and that's not going to change. Um, this is something... Uh, that is, you know, very near and dear to my heart. And I think um, just dealing with the the last, especially the 48 hours. I mean, listen, it's been since March, I started the podcast. Um, and, you know, there's been some ups and downs, of course, just like for everybody in life. Um, that's never going to change. Uh, I'm sure of that. Uh, but the last, you know, 48 hours have been extremely difficult. Um, but Here's the thing. Um, I have so many people right now uh, that have reached out to me, uh, making sure I'm okay. Uh, you know, messages that I haven't even responded to yet because honestly, I've been, if you notice my eyes, I've been crying quite a bit. Um, so I apologize that my eyes are in the red and my guests, I had to push it back a little bit and we were supposed to do it yesterday and yesterday was just crazy. So, I want to talk a little bit about the Buckport Foundation. I wasn't even going to. I was going to save it to the end, but uh, just with everything that's transpired, um, it's amazing, you know? Um, maybe if I didn't have that support um, of the people in my life, like Matt Thompson um, and, and several others, uh, maybe I go down uh, the path of relapse. Um, seriously, because that, not because... I was thinking about it or anything, but it was just that I was dealing with a series of emotions that I had yet to deal with um, this in this stage of my recovery. So, you know, and being in Ontario with the majority of my family being in British Columbia, I mean, all of my family, aside from Taylor and, and the kids here, like uh, it can be difficult. Um, so um, thank you uh, to everybody. Uh, that has reached out and supported me, many former hockey players, like guys that I played with and stuff. They just know, right? And um, that's a big reason uh, why I wanted to start the Puck Support Foundation is uh, to keep that community alive, uh, to keep that team alive so that when one of our teammates is down or struggling, um, we're there for them. And uh, it was never more apparent to me than yesterday uh, and today um, that one, uh, I certainly need this and, and I'm so grateful that I have it. Uh, and I can't even tell you how many unanswered messages and, and stuff. Listen, guys, I'm sorry. I, I literally haven't been responding to everybody. I've just been tuned out. Um, and I think maybe it was the wrong approach. Um, but here I am. <laughs> I'm good. Uh, I just wanted to say thank you. And if it's, it's just never been more apparent to me that we need this, you know, uh, in the hockey community. It's not just hockey players, guys. Uh, I talk about it all the time. Uh, it's coaches, parents, players, uh, anyone in the hockey community, guys, is, you know, is welcome. And, and we need to be there and find ways to support because it's not just addiction or it's not just mental health. Uh, it is it can be a combination of things. And, and sometimes it's a day-to-day -day and minute-to-minute -minute thing. Sometimes it could be long-term struggles. And uh, we just want to find ways, guys. Um, and I just wanted to share some pretty cool, exciting news. So I got, we got these on the way. These are, uh, I don't know why it's not coming up that picture. Um, but, uh, you know, we got uh, some face masks uh, on the way. 
um, and also some custom hoodies, guys. Uh, they're going to be available. Uh, they look like jerseys, okay, and sort of like the old LA Kings jerseys, just very simple, like the black and white uh, with the puck support logo, uh, and we're, we're going to get the names and numbers, so I already have a couple of them made, including mine and Matt Thompson's, and also one for Matthew Lazinski, uh, who is the reason why started it all. Bring it out again, right? So I wish I could bring up the picture. I don't know why it's not loading. Um for some reason, it's just not. Maybe I come back to uh, this page here and maybe it'll load. There we go. There's uh, Matthew Lazinski's hoodie uh, that I have. Uh, the guy's making it today. Um, so we've added, you know, the puck sport and hockey at the bottom just as a secondary logo, guys. So these are going to be available and fully customizable. Um, so there's the three of them together, which I think is pretty cool. So it brings the tears to my eyes. Also getting, you know, like these shirts made. And so if anybody wants a hoodie with your name and number, we're going to have them available. All the proceeds, every single dollar that's profit goes to the Poxabar Foundation. So guys, um, you know, and in the top there, there are going to be laces like hockey laces. So um, get involved, guys. You can check us out anywhere uh, on social media at Poxaport, Poxaport.com um seriously the door is wide open guys get get involved um we want people to get involved we need people to get involved it's still really early um but you know we we the door is wide open the slogan really is like the team and the team is no longer there and man it was never more apparent than yesterday so um i think without uh too much uh more banter uh we can uh, pretty much get right in uh to episode 55 and you know, 55 episodes and uh, wow, uh, there's just really no words. Uh, I am so grateful for that. Though it's been tough in the last two days, it's like I know like nothing can take me back to where I was. Um, and that's a, a huge reason. Um, there's many things, but a, a huge reason is the fact that the hockey community and the social media hockey community has really rallied around me and uh, people listening, watching, You'll never know how much that truly means to me. It just, it gave me hope again uh, when I had none. So thank you. Uh, but without further ado, uh, you know that this episode is proudly brought to you by Team Issued Limited. Team Issued is connecting all walks of life. Team Issued does this by recreating that special feeling of being part of something bigger. A community for all striving towards the same goal. Guys, check them out. Teamissued.ca. Use promo code TOEDRAG15 to get 15% off your total purchase. Guys, you can see me right now. Uh, if I can get this picture down, I don't have a director. It's just me doing everything. Uh, team issued hat, team issued active wear shirt. Uh, you know, they have it all. Um, I love it. Um, now that you've seen the hat though, excuse me for a second. I got to get my true hockey player on. All right, there we go. I got my backwards hat on. Now I feel a little more comfortable. Uh, a lot of the time you see me with the hat on forward just because I, people want to see the team issued logo. Uh, but I'm a backwards hat kind of guy. So guys, seriously though, check it out. Team promo code, uh, toe drag 15 to get 15% off your total purchase okay guys 
Let's do it. I still, whenever I say episode 55, it's like, I, I still think back. I was listening to episode five with James McEwen not too long ago. And holy shit, have I come a long ways. It's, it's, it's laughable to go back and listen to some of those. Um, it's pretty funny. Um, but listen, I'm very privileged uh, to have this guy uh, coming on the podcast now. Um, you should have done it a, maybe a while ago. Uh, he did a great piece on me. Um, let's do it. Let's do it. Episode 55. Marcello and Garrett Taylor filing a statement of claim with the Ontario Superior Court of Justice. They allege the WHL, the Ontario Hockey League and the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League and all 60 teams under their umbrella inflicted violent hazing and physical sexual assault while they were teenagers. The lawsuit seeks damages for negligence, breach of contract and a declaration that the teams and the leagues are liable for abuse perpetrated by their employees and players for more on this, we're joined by Ken Campbell. He is a senior writer at Hockey News. There was a lawsuit filed uh, in the Ontario Superior Court in Toronto uh, yesterday by uh, Dan Carcillo, as you said, a former NHL player, played 10 years in the league. That basically states that players aged 15 to 17 were humiliated, abused, um, essentially sexually assaulted, uh, in the course of these uh, hazing rituals that uh, have taken place over the years in uh, in major junior hockey the depictions that were you know put out in the statement of claim were troubling to say the least they were very very the alleged behavior was very very depraved um you do hear about these things occasionally you do hear that sometimes they go over the line a little bit I've never heard of anything this this bad in in all the time that I've been covering. And the lawsuit claiming, you know, that head coaches and assistant coaches and league officials knew of the abuse, Ken, and and did nothing to stop it. it, it again, the allegation that they, in some cases, actually participated in it. Uh, yes, it actually is alleged uh, by Carcillo that uh, the head coach of the Sarnia Sting. Uh, did participate at one point in one of the the hazing incidents uh, at, at another time, saw, saw it and, and ignored it. Well, I, I think you hear things and, and, and you hear things like this. I, I've never heard anything quite so heinous as this. So, um, yes, it's definitely alleged that there were people who knew, who should have known better, uh, who were in positions of authority, not only didn't stop it, but but actually participated in it as well. Yes, that is definitely a legend. I know that as part of your reporting, you've reached out to the Canadian Hockey League. What's the CHL saying, if anything? Uh, not a lot right now. I've reached out to uh, everyone that I can, I can think of there. Uh, Dan McKenzie, the president of the CHL, uh, David Branch, the OHL commissioner, Ron Robinson, the WHL commissioner, and Jill Courteau, the uh, QMJHL commissioner. They've been very quiet about it. Something else that's kind of astonishing is that the lawsuit includes all the teams. And I'm curious what you make of that. Uh, the fact that this is just the, the you know, broad stroke. Right. I think I think the fact is that that, that this is this is a class action. 
So I think they want to make sure that if there are other players for any of these teams in any of the three leagues in Canada that have a story to tell and that 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 have been subject to anything like this, uh, that they have their opportunity to uh, to come forward and be part of the class action. You know, I think it speaks to just the culture of the game that it's kind of accepted that uh, that that you know this has happened. This is not an isolated incident, I guess, is what these people are saying, uh, and that it it probably has and 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 uh, have probably has occurred uh, in other places, on other teams, in other leagues. So it's troubling to say the least, if 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 it is indeed true. Absolutely, Ken Campbell joining us from the Hockey News. Thank you, Ken. Good to have you with us. All right, guys. Let's bring him in. My friend, living the good life up in Grand Bend, Ken Campbell. Thank you, man. Thanks for joining me on Hockey Air on the Road to Recovery. Oh, yeah. Well, long-time listener, first-time caller. So uh, happy to be here. <laughs> hey, um, thank you. And, uh, you know, you and I have connected uh, over the past few months uh, over, or over a couple of different things. Maybe the biggest is the article that you wrote uh, about me and in my recovery and comeback. And I'm not sure a lot of people have seen it just to do to the COVID and stuff. But first off, I just want to say thank you because what an amazing job you did on that. And uh, it's my hopes that one day uh, it'll be more accessible online for, for everybody to read. It just so happened that the hockey news was kind of in a, a weird transition with COVID-19, right, Ken? Yeah, we uh, we ma- we put it in a digital issue. So uh, so it, it was it wasn't in a regular issue that all of our subscribers would get. But uh, Brady, I would su- suspect at some point we'll be putting that up on our website. Um, some point at some point very soon we'll be putting it up on the website, so it'll be there for everyone to see. And uh, you know, I mean, it, it was um, it was an amazing story for me to be able to do. I was I was honored to be able to tell it. You know, I, I see with you know listening to your podcast and listening to you just now. You know, you're not afraid to make yourself vulnerable and. And be honest with people and, and show people your authentic self. And I thought that really came through in the, in the piece because you, uh, you know, you really did do that. And I, I thought it was, uh, you know, I, I thought it was uh, like it was a real um, it was a real joy for me to do that piece. And I, I thought it turned out really well. Yeah, I know you, you, you nailed it for sure. And uh, I just I appreciate that. And, you know, I appreciate uh, like a lot of the stuff you've done. I mean, you're an incredible writer. Everybody in the hockey community is familiar with your work. Uh, I think none more than my dad. I think he has every book you've ever written and every article. My dad is uh, such a hockey fan in that way. And, um, you know, so I, I knew and, and I'm familiar with your work long before I ever had the chance to talk to you. And, you know, getting to to look over some of the pieces you've done i mean there's so many over the course of years you're with the hockey news now but of course you were at the toronto star and sports illustrated and 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 probably somewhere in between or before that that i don't know about and uh where do you where do you think uh the biggest change in the game you have seen uh since the time you started writing i mean uh, with the culture, has there been a big change um, yet? Uh, and do you think we need to see a shift? Uh, well, not as much as I'd like to see. I think there is there has been a change in culture to some extent. Um, you know, I think we th- we see things like the Hockey Diversity Alliance coming out now, and we see things like you know what the players did in the middle of the playoffs. 
you know, realizing that the other, you know, their colleagues in other sports were taking time to pause to, to, to think about these social injustices and them doing the same. Um, you know, I'm really encouraged by that. But I, I mean, there, there has been a change in culture. I don't think it's as dramatic and as quick as a lot of us would like to see. Um, it's probably a lot quicker than a lot of people would like to see. And it's probably a lot more than a lot of people would like to see. Um, but um, I still see a lot of old attitudes that really persist in the game. And, uh, and I, I chalk that up to, and I've crunched these numbers. Like I've crunched these numbers many times. And there is no sport among, you know, the, the four big sports, basketball, football, baseball, and, and hockey, where former players are in positions of power more than they are in hockey like it's 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 incredible like the 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 league is run by former players a lot of the gms are former players the people that are affecting rule changes are former players the players that are the people that are disciplining players are former players and in the case of the 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 safety player safety uh director right now is a former enforcer who you know who played on the edge of the rule book his whole career so i i think that's a big part of it i i think there's I think there's too many former players that have too much say in the way the game is played and the way the game is perceived and how it's presented and with rules and with refereeing and, and um, tolerance to violence and all that sort of stuff. And I know that a lot of people can't stand hearing that. I know a lot of people don't like what I have to say and, and that's okay. I mean, you know, they love, they love the game too. Um, but I get it a lot of times. Why do you hate hockey so much? And my, my answer to that is, what are you talking about? Why do I hate hockey? I'm 58 years old and hockey's been an enormous part of my life for about 56 of those years. You know, I, I played it terribly as a young person. I've coached it. I've co I coached, I coached my son all the way up, right up to midget hockey. I've refereed it. I've written about it. I've, you know, I, I've, I, it's been my life. I've, I've, I owe my livelihood to it. And everything that I say about hockey and every time I criticize hockey and I criticize hockey's culture, it's because I want it to be better. It's not because I hate it. It's because I, I hate what it does sometimes. And, and, uh, and I think that's, that's an important, that's an important point because I know people that want to see the game more violent and they want to, they want to see fighting stay in hockey. Like I know they have the best interests of hockey at, at heart. I, I know they think that that's best for the game. I don't agree with them, but I can appreciate their viewpoint. And I just wish a lot of times people could just appreciate the fact that there are differing viewpoints out there. I, I love it. I love what you said. And I think, you know, I've flip-flopped a little bit. And I, I I, talked to James McEwen on my last podcast. He was on again for the second time. Of course, he's the face of the class action lawsuit against the CHL and uh, former teammate of mine. And, you know, originally talking to him on the first one, uh, you know, I was kind of supporting him. And then I talked to a few people after one of them being my dad, who's a scout in the Western hockey league. And he's like, you got to be careful what you're getting involved with, blah, blah, blah. And he was only looking out for me. He didn't care about himself. I mean, I've already drug, drug our name through the mud enough. There's nothing else I can do to, to affect his life. So he was really looking out for me and he's like, just think about it. Um, a couple other players I talked to and they're like, you know, giving me some points that I thought were valid for, a short period of time, but now that I've had time to reflect on it, you know, I just, I think that we have to, we have to change with the game. And I never thought the point that you brought up of all the players that are within the game and, and making it, it's so true. And all those players, those ex players are all 
living on that old culture. They grew up with that all old culture. So how is it ever going to change? And like, you know, for them to break that mold, I don't know if we'll ever be able to get them to really change. So we're going to have to change, like you said, internally. And I think you said it, said it so great, Ken, like, thank you for pointing that out. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I just, um, to me, it's, it's, it's what we're in the 21st century. Now, um, the game has changed tremendously. I think in a lot of ways for the good, um, the game is faster than it's ever been. It's more skilled than it's ever been. The players are better than they've ever been. Um, you know, and for all of the talk about fighting and everything, I mean, there was way more fighting in hockey 30 years ago than there is now. I mean, hockey, fighting in hockey is organically being removed almost um, in a lot of ways. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's it doesn't have room to get better. And I think that it has a lot of room to get better. And I think it has a lot of room to, um, to be... A better version of itself um and i think it owes it to the players i i really do i believe it owes that to the players yeah and i think so and i i don't know i talked about this too with james but there was an article that uh that came out recently um that you were a part of or, or wrote um about i'm gonna have to uh bring this up for a sec the article um but the quebec major junior league had an opportunity uh, to get a bailout. Um, this says nine hours ago, but forgive me, this was probably three days ago. Um, but, you know, the Quebec Major Junior League was was looking for $20 million because, you know, fans and, and all that, they're not going to be able to fill the seats. And, and we understand that. So here the government says, maybe you can touch on it. You know more of the details, but fill us in what happened there. Well, what happened was the uh, the, the president of the QMJ, Jalgio Coteau, uh, met with Isabel Chahé, who was the... Um, Junior Minister of Education, Status of Women, Amateur Sport in Quebec, um, and basically said, look, we have 12 teams based here in Quebec. 12 of our 18 teams are based in Quebec. Uh, we will not, be, we basically won't be able to have any fans in the, in the, in the arenas for probably the entire season. Our, our, our owners are going to lose a lot of money. Uh, some of the teams are community owned. Most of them are, are privately owned, uh, but they're going to lose a lot of money. And he asked for $20 million, which would be basically about 1.2 million per each 12 teams, each of the 12 teams. Um, and uh, and, the, and the, the government said, well, yeah, okay. I mean, well, we're willing to consider that, but uh, we want some, we want you to, we want some, to see some changes specifically around fighting and, um, and, um, and, and sort of the violent aspect of it. There were, I think, 323 fights in the Quebec League last year with 18 teams. The Ontario League has 20 teams. They had about 325 fights. The Western League has 22 teams, and they had like more than 500. So they were way above. But but they, they, the government has been on the record as saying they want to see this change. And and they basically attach that caveat to getting that money. And uh, so so Corteau went back to the Board of Governors, and he said, okay, let's try. Let's see what we can do. So he proposed 15-minute 15 minute penalties for fighting instead of five minutes. And for, if you have five fights, you get suspended for a game. Um, it was voted, they voted in favor of it, but it was, it was only a 10 to eight vote. And in order to rule, change a rule, you have to have two thirds. So it had to be 12 to six, but there seemed to be some miscommunication, some misunderstanding among some of the owners as to whether or not the money was tied to changing the rules. 
And so, anyways, I from what I'm told, Jill Courteau was pissed. Uh, Isabel Chahed from the government was pissed. Um, I think they're going to take another run at this, and they will likely come up with something. My my feeling is is that if you're the if you're the Quebec government, I want to see you go further. You want twenty million dollars? Look, first of all, we've already changed our employment standard laws. You know, we've allowed you to consider these kids to be amateur, uh, what is student athletes, not employees. Mm-hmm. We're already saving you millions of dollars, guys. We're already saving you tons of money, and we're doing it on the backs of teenage kids who come into this league and make $50 a week for essentially working full time. There is no other business in the world that would get away with this. Could you imagine if McDonald's said, said to the government, yeah, we want to employ these teenagers, but we want to pay them like three bucks an hour. No, not happening. So so we've already done that. Okay. So if I'm, if I'm the Quebec government, we've already done that. We've already laxed our, our, our employment standards laws to help you guys out, saving you millions of dollars already. You've got your hand out again now. You want 1.2 million per team. You don't cut down fighting. You don't curb fighting. You eradicate fighting. Mm-hmm. Because there are hundreds and hundreds of Quebec-born kids that play in that league every year. And they're the ones who are getting their faces punched, bare knuckle by other guys. Yeah. Yeah. Vincent LeCavaillet, Vincent LeCavaillet, Ramouski Oceanic, first 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 shift in the Quebec League in his first preseason game, lined up at center ice, the puck dropped, the opposing center dropped his gloves and started beating his face in. Vincent LeCavaillet. Okay, so, and you know as well as I do, Brady, that, and not in all cases, but in some cases, a lot of these guys that are having so many problems post-career, you know, so many problems, so many troubles with CT, with, you know, suspected CTE, brain injuries, you know, forgetting things, mood changes, all that. It didn't start in the NHL. It didn't start in the NHL. For a lot of those guys, it probably started right. in junior hockey. You know? Right. Yeah. So so to me, if I'm the government of Quebec, okay, you've already got – we're already saving you millions of dollars. You want a million two more for, for each of your teams? Then you're going to you're gonna, you're gonna take measures to basically eradicate fighting in your league. And if you don't do it, you don't get the money. That's fine. Go back to doing what you're doing. Go back to business as usual. That's fine. You know, I hear people, I get people on Twitter saying, oh, the government wants to change everything. They should stay in their lane and they should, you know, no, bullshit. No, they, the, these guys came to money for them and they're attaching a condition to it. There's nothing wrong with that, in my opinion. I I, I have to agree with you 100% on that. And, you know, as a former player, uh, pro, but, you know, not very, I didn't play very long uh, professionally, but, as, you know, as a major junior, former major junior player, and now someone who's been removed from hockey and, I mean, you're right. Like that is where the majority of it starts. And we talk about this and and I think to remove fighting at the NHL level and whatever, you know, is one thing, but, you know, definitely I think they need to even do more there uh, to do, but I think getting into the younger culture with junior, especially like what they're trying to do, I think is the the only way to go because like we talked, I've talked about on here so many times, you can get a 16 year old, like you said, the guy who punched out the Cavalier was probably 19 or 20 years old. And that is, that's an assaulting a minor and, you know, and, and for what, for what? So like for me as an ex player and, and 
again, James McEunis stood up for, and different people, Carcillo for other reasons, for that uh, different class action. They just use that one as an example. But there's, there's just many situations um, that th- these leagues are, are really failing the players, uh, not only during their time while they're playing there, but certainly um, after once they're called an alumni, which in my opinion is just the alumni weekends are just another way for them to make money. I don't want to say anything else about it, but really as an alumni in the Western Hockey League or whatever, what kind of support do you really have? Or even in the East Coast and American League, you know, guys – still go through all of that and uh, try their hardest to get to the NHL. And then they're still dealing with all the same after effects, but they never made it to the NHL so that they don't have that support. (laughs) My little Hadley's knocking on the window, trying to get in here into the studio. So (laughs) she can't open the door, but that's okay. But you know what I mean though? It's Hadley. (laughs) <laughs> one second sorry guys one second awesome <laughs> do you want me to take over brady one sec guys sorry it's okay hadley sorry holy Oh, she's upset now. I'm in trouble. That's the best part about live. She ran down here. She snuck out of the house in her underwear. I wish you guys could have seen the actual video. It was really cute. She just likes to be a part of it. She knows I'm doing podcasts. She she comes in here frequently and I'll record her uh, and just let her talk and, and have fun. So she doesn't quite understand. She's only she's only three. So she doesn't quite understand that when I'm live, I'm, I'm in the middle of it. So that's kind of funny. Uh, but I was saying... Awesome, Brady. <laughs> yeah, it's all part of it. But you know, it's it, it, that's the that's the honestly, those are the things I'm grateful for today. The things that like that can happen. You know what I mean? Like that. If that is the biggest issue I have today, I'm like I'm perfect. You know what I mean? So it's it's that is not a big issue at all. Uh, but you know, it's it's interesting. What I was saying is that there are multiple guys, and, and I want to say guys that, and I've said this too guys that I've talked to that have retired from the NHL that have won Stanley Cups and have money and, and had the life, but they're not playing anymore. And they're, they're really struggling. They're, they're really, really struggling uh, with, with mental health and, and post concussion syndrome, stuff like that, uh, just finding meaning and purpose in life, just getting out of bed every day. So if you factor that in uh, and then you, you think about all the guys that tried to do that and never did, and they don't have that money or, or that, you know, support from the NHLPA or the Alumni Association, uh, but they played 10 or 15 years minor pro and, and got punched in the face for years and years. And then, and then they still have to deal with all that. It just, I don't know where the answer lies. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm not, sh- I don't know. I just, I definitely think that that fighting in junior hockey, we, we need to see a change in, and that's coming straight from my mouth. People can agree with me or not, um, but that we, this is essentially kids, um, and, and people forget that, don't they, Ken? Yeah. Well, you said you don't know where the answer lies. Can I make a suggestion? Like you said, you I, I, and you talked about eradicating fighting in the NHL and, and how difficult that would be. I, to me, Brady, this is not a complex con- this is not a complex issue. It's not a nuanced issue. It's very simple. 
you're either okay with fighting and violence in your game or you're not. And it comes down to that. And if you're okay with it, carry on. Carry on. I guess you'll you'll deal with it, right? But if you wanna if you if you if you wanna do something about it, it's very easy. Just stop it. Just tell players to stop it and put rules in that make them stop it. You know? I mean it's easy. It, Ejection and suspensions for fighting, fighting will stop. Fighting will stop. Players, players, you know this as well as I do, or you know it way better than I do. Players just want to know what they can do and what they can't do, right? What the rules are. What can I get away with? What can't I get away with? Yeah. Oh, you're telling me I can't fight anymore? Okay, well, I guess I can't fight anymore. I'll adapt. Yeah. Players will adapt, you know? Um, I just see a league that has one like and a culture in that for that matter that has one foot in and one foot out you know they kind of they they talk the talk about you know wanting to reduce violence wanting to reduce head injuries wanting to reduce this but then you but then when it comes right down to it it's like well we can't take that out of the game because then it'll turn to turn into four on four ringette you know and no it won't no it won't hits won't go away there's nothing wrong with hits and you know i mean and i look at I don't know. I've, I can have this argument with anybody, anytime. But to me, you know, I mean, I, I look at guys like these enforcers, and I see most of the time they're the ones who are causing the mayhem that they're supposed to be out there putting, you know, preventing from happening. Yeah. You, know? Yeah. you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's like they say it's a good thing the player, the NHL has players like Ryan Reeves to protect everybody from players like Ryan Reeves. You know what I mean? Like, it's funny that you said that to cut you off, but that's exactly who I was thinking of when you said that. When you before you even said Reeves, that's where my mind went when you said like the players in the game. And I, he's the same age as me. I played against him in the Western League, and I'll tell you. And this is nothing against Ryan Reeves, but he couldn't really play in the Western League. You know what I mean? Like honestly, he was okay, but um, he's made a name for himself. Uh, and he's done well. Like he's done very well for himself. You have to give it to him. Um, yep. He's he's played his role well, and he's he's a hell of a player, and he does his role well because there's still uh, there's still a job for him in the NHL today. Is why. But if you remove that, there yeah. isn't. Like he can't he can't play right. He can't actually play if you remove that fighter aspect from the game. I'm not gonna. I'm not 100 sure about that, Brady. I think a lot of guys. There are guys who couldn't play. Like let's say Stu Grimson. No fighting. He has no career. Brian Reeves can play physical. He can skate. He can keep up. He can score the occasional goal. But I does just, he get I, the opportunity? But yeah. does he ever get the opportunity if he's not a fighter? Because he's a fighter. Exactly. And I, I always used to tell Ty Domi this when I covered him when he played for the Toronto Maple Leafs and I worked for the Toronto Star and I covered the Leafs. I would tell Ty, you know what, Ty? If they took fighting out of hockey tomorrow, you would still be able to play in this league because Ty Domi could skate. Yeah. Really good skater. He could make plays okay. He could score occasionally, and he could hit. And to me, like by the the last few years of Taidomi's career, he hardly ever fought anyways because nobody wanted to fight him, right? So to me, I always told him, I said, you could be, if they took fighting out of hockey right now, you could be a third-line winger in the NHL for 10 years. And there are guys that could do it. There are guys, like you say, that end up growing into being a player because they came into the league as fighters. So yeah, you're right. And I don't know, like, I mean, I get, I get fighters all the time talking to me about 
Do you know how hard I worked? Do you know how many sacrifices I put in to play hockey? How hard I worked? And why should, you know, why should somebody be able to deprive me of an NHL career? Well, sorry, bud, but take a number. There's a thousand guys that worked just as hard as you did that yeah. didn't that didn't get in the lineup. Like skill guys who got cut because they needed an enforcer. So the so the skill guys should be the one who doesn't get to play in the NHL over the enforcer guy or, or because yeah. the enforcer needs to play. No, yeah, like it's, I agree. it's not, a, it's not, a, it's not a, like the hawk, you know, like I keep saying this, you know, because you played, I never mm-hmm. played. I was a lousy house league player my entire career, but you know, the, the game doesn't owe anybody anything. Nope. The game owes nobody anything. You make it or you don't. And I mean, come on. I just, I just think that I think we get caught up in how people in hockey get caught up in how quote unquote difficult or complex or radical it would be to change things. And I don't think it would be that difficult at all. If the will was there, they'd be able to do it, but the will is not there. And part of the reason why the will is not there, in my opinion, goes back to what we talked about a little while ago. And that is that it's former players for most, for the most part, that are running the league, and not only former players, but former players who played on the edge of the rule book. You know, I mean, you know, George Paris was a fighter. You know, Colin Campbell was a rough and tumble, dirty, you know, guy who had th- more than a thousand penalty minutes. You know, I mean, why isn't Marty Saint Louis running, uh, <laughs> running player safety, or, or you know? Richards or like some skill guy who won the North, who won the Lady Bing Trophy. Paul Where are Korea. those guys running? Paul Korea. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Where's Paul Korea? Um, I have a like. I want to know what your opinion is uh, on what when people say, uh, you know, these guys that you know, not so much Garcello because they can't say about him. He's won two Stanley Cups, um, but the other guys attached to different lawsuits, maybe sort of like James McEwen or. Uh, other guys, uh, they say, oh, they only want to come after because they want money uh, or they want fame because they never made it. Uh, you know, that's why they're suing because they're mad. What do you say about that? Good for them. Good right? for them. If you if you want money, go after it. Why not? They gave four, sometimes five years of their lives to junior hockey. And uh, and and now they're they're living a life that is probably suboptimal in a lot of ways because of it. And, uh, and, and they want answers and they want, they want, uh, you know, they, they, they went into it, you know, with dreams of, of trying to make the NHL and, and somebody, and, and somebody really sort of not took advantage, but used those dreams to, you know, get them to play for poverty wages and got them to sacrifice so much. And if they want something now in return, I say, go for it. Yeah, well, that's that's kind of how I feel too. I just I don't like it when the people are ridiculing them, saying like, "Oh, they're only doing it because they weren't good enough," and now they're mad at the game, so they, you know, that's why they're doing it. And I just I don't like that because people have to understand that, like, even if somebody isn't good enough uh, to have a long, you know, career in the NHL, but they had a successful junior and then minor pro career, does that mean that they don't? They're not like entitled to the same sort of, you know, support or healthcare after the fact because they never had that successful NHL career. That's just what I want to say uh, to some people that say that is, you know, I, and 
to people that say, oh, well, they didn't take care of themselves uh, during their concussions during junior. Well, guess what? We, we weren't really told anything. We were just doing whatever. And everyone's so nervous everywhere. Anyways, I was talking to guys. It's like they get a concussion and you ask them, well, did you go out and drink after the game? Well, yeah, because I was so stressed out or so nervous or so whatever, trying to and trying to hide the concussion because I had to play the next day and fight again and do it all again. And it's just it's just crazy. Um, there's a question coming in from my 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 buddy Tanner uh, Wilshaw. He's uh, he's got a, a great podcast as well called The Final Shot. It's more in the he's in the fight world, uh, like professional fight world. Uh, he's buddies with my my friend Adam Braidwood, and that uh, he says, Ken, what are the major changes you think need to be made? It can't just be fighting that attributes to all the concussions, taking the red line out, increase the speed to the game, which I think. Uh, definitely increased the number of concussions which ultimately led to more cte what do you think ken yeah i think i think there's a point i mean there are there are hits that can't be avoided i mean sometimes there's collisions it's 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 a sport that's played at a high speed on you know a quarter of an, an inch of steel on under your feet um it, there's no out of bounds you know and the boards are hard and the glass is hard and it's unforgiving and there are going to be injuries and there's going to be pain in this game. There's no question about it. Um, but to me, there are so many things that could be done. I, I, I really believe that um, the reckless and dirty hits have to be penalized far more, far greater. Um, you know, I, I see, to me, cross-checking right now in the NHL is at an epidemic proportions. Like, like it is, it is just, it's, it, I, I think every forward goes to the front of the net knowing, just knowing I'm going to get cross-checked in the back four or five times. And I, there's nothing I can do about it because it doesn't get called because the referee's standing right there and looking at it. I think more enforcement of the rules. And I think, I think more like heavier p- penalties force, force, you know, these, these acts of violence and the reckless ones as well. Like I watched last night, um, I watched Tyler Johnson slide into the boards with replay hints of the Dallas Stars. And right at the end of, uh, right as they got to the boards, I saw Tyler Johnson extend his arm and try and push Rupe Hintz's head right into the boards. Rupe Hintz was out for the rest of the game. I don't, you know, we're here, we are, we're doing this live Saturday afternoon. I don't know if he's playing in game, in game five tonight or not. But that to me was a dirty, dirty, dirty play. And that should be penalized. That should be penalized. I don't care. What time of the year it is, what whether it's a Stanley Cup final or not, that needs to be penalized. I think there are many, many things the league could do. Standard suspensions for for headshots, that sort of thing. It's just you never know. A guy could a guy could deliver a headshot, be gone for ten games, a guy could deliver a headshot and be back playing the next night. Uh, really? it's really haphazard and subjective too. So I, yeah, I've noticed that it's it seems very inconsistent and uh it almost seems like it's like a different guy making up the, the suspension every time. You know what I mean? It's like they have I like it, the wheel of justice. That's what I call yeah. it. It's <laughs> wheel of justice. Okay. How long are we going to suspend this guy? Turn the wheel. Oh, it came up to three games. Okay. Three games. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. No, it's true. It's, uh, uh oh yeah. Tanner, Tanner also says nice work, Ken. Uh, yeah, no, Tanner's a Tanner's a great guy. Uh, you know, I think 
I think hockey definitely has a, a long ways to go, but there has there has been some improvements. Uh, how much are you, how much have you really been following uh, the playoffs? Obviously, you, you're a writer, so you're watching it um, tooth and nail. Where do you see um, the level of hockey this year inside the bubble? Can uh, in, in respects to to past years? Well, uh, I have been watching a lot of it. This is actually the first. I was thinking about this. This is the first year since 2004 that I'm not at the Stanley cup final. Um, we were, we were, we're, we're kept back because of uh, COVID concerns. Our, our employer was concerned about uh, us traveling and, and that sort of thing. So, um, so I'm covering it, basically watching it on TV. And then they have the NHL's done a great job. They have these zoom press conferences after the game. So, the, the, you know, kudos to the NHL for that. They've done a great job, you know, helping the media and helping us deliver the message during the playoffs. Um, the, 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 the level of play I think has been good. I think it's been pretty decent. I'm not sure it's been as high as it's been in previous years, but I think given the, given the fact that these guys, you know, sat for like, what was it? April, May, June, July, like four or five months before they hit the ice. I think it's been, it's been pretty good. Um, I think that it's, it's, I, I think you can see the fatigue now. I, 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 you know, I mean, that always happens in the playoffs. Like to me, the first round of the playoffs are always, are always the best round. Like, because there's potential for upset. There's all kinds of chaos going on. There's four games going on in a night. It's crazy. Everything's happening. And then it kind of ramps down as you go on. And I think I've seen that this time too. And I mean, I think we've, we're seeing two pretty, pretty taxed and pretty tired teams right now in the Stanley cup final. And it's been good. It's been good. It hasn't been, great it hasn't been classic but it's been good and I, I think they've acquitted themselves really well i think that this year whoever wins a stanley cup and i'm assuming it's going to be tampa because we're as we speak right now it's 3-1 going into game five and i i predicted tampa in six and i'm going to stick with that but i think that you know people talked about well yeah there should be an asterisk beside whoever wins this year and i agree 100 percent. there should be an asterisk aside beside whoever wins this year and the asterisk should say yeah, this Stanley Cup was harder to win than any other one, you know, because these guys have had to, you know, be in this bubble for the better part of nine, ten weeks, three months without seeing their families. You know, if if Tampa wins this thing tonight, they're going to they're not going to be able to celebrate and share it with with their families and, and their, their wives and their kids. And I mean, I'm telling you, I've been on the ice, like I said, every year since 2004 for the Stanley cup celebrations after the game. And that is magic and it's wonderful. And it's, and it's, 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 it's so great to see. And these guys won't have any of that. Um, they've had to, they've had to go through a lot of stuff, you know, I mean, not the least of which is they're getting a Q-tip this long shoved up their nose every day. You know, they're getting tested every day. They've had to stay in the bubble. They've had to, you know, isolate. They've, they've, you know, it's, it's been lonely. It's probably affected a lot of their mental health. You know, Rick Bonus mentioned stuff about that. He said he hasn't walked in grass on grass in three months, you know? So I, I think that I think all things, you know, considered, I think the NHL has done a remarkable job with this. I, I had, I had some real serious, um, doubts whether they'd be able to pull it off, but not only have they pulled it off, they've pulled it off without a hitch. It's been fantastic. The hockey's been pretty good. 
And uh, I think we've got a worthy, whoever, you know, whoever wins this thing, I think we've got an absolutely worthy Stanley Cup final, Stanley Cup winner this year, without question. Well said. And it's, you know, I, I, I really want uh, Dallas to come back. I said Dallas in seven. So, you know, who knows? Who knows? But yeah, I hate to say it. Tampa's <laughs> probably going to win. Uh, but, you know, it's interesting. I've, I've, I've thought about it and mentioned this to a couple people uh, off, you know, off air that, you know, that these guys living in the bubble is kind of like being in jail. Like, honestly, they, this is the closest that these guys will understand what it's like to be in jail. Um, like really, but at least they're getting to play hockey. Uh, but you know, I can, I can feel for them being someone who is incarcerated. And obviously that's a little more tough than, than being in the bubble. But but nonetheless, let's let's not kid ourselves. Like people people say, oh, boo hoo, these guys are making millions of dollars or whatever. Doesn't matter, people. Listen, it doesn't matter. These guys, they're still humans. Like you said, they're away from their families. Yes, they're all vying for that Stanley Cup. They're they're employed by the NHL. They're at work. It's their job. Yes, um, they're very lucky. They all know that. Mo- most of them, anyways, they know. Um, but at the end of the day. Things like family and and like what else is more important? So like of course they're missing their families. Things like mental health happen to people in the NHL too. Maybe more so the stress and the pressures and, and all of it. So I think a lot of that gets lost and and uh, you know there's a lot of the pressures and I think uh, it's going to be interesting to see sort of uh, the transition out of the bubble for for a lot of these guys. Do you know if they're going to have to like? what the plan is are they just allowed to go home as normal after is that what these players have been doing like as soon as they lose out they're just out the bubble and gone yeah pretty much yeah pretty much because because the border's open in the u.s so they just go back and if it were the other way around they would have to isolate here but they just they just go home they join their families and they uh they wait for next season and i i think i think brady too what is important to remember here is these guys already made all their money this year you, yeah that's right they don't get paid in the playoffs Players don't get paid in the playoffs, right? Sure. They, they cashed all their checks before this, and they're playing essentially for, for free. I mean, they're playing because, you know, if, if they didn't play, they would, they'd, they'd have a much bigger escrow hit, and that ultimately would affect their, their, their you know, the, the money in their pockets for sure. But, I mean, they've already gotten all their, they've already gotten all their paychecks this year, and they're playing for free. And uh, I think people should remember that. And you're right. I mean, it's it's just because they are millionaires and they're living the life and living the dream doesn't mean they're not susceptible to the same fears and insecurities and and problems that a lot of us face. And we saw that with Tuka Rask. I mean, he just he just wasn't in it. He just his heart yeah. wasn't. He wasn't with his family. He was miserable. He thought he was hurting his team. So he left. And yeah. that's, that's OK. You know, yeah. I, I have to say, you know what, like I, you know, it's, I have to say it's okay too. And I hope that I really hope that if anybody um, that hears or watches this ever had the feeling uh, or the thought that, you know, bad or shame on Tuka Rask or whatever, I think, you know, really just try to try to just like you put yourself, like you said earlier in the, in the interview was, you know, you you try to understand where where people come from. At least you see their side of things with the fighting or whatever. But people need to really start to see the other side of it and and start stop seeing these players subjectively. I think and it's just you know 
I was quite proud of Duka Rask for doing that. Like that's must've been pretty hard. And I'm sure that his teammates are even probably going to look at him a little differently going back. I, they might. And I hate to say that because I mean, I went home on a mental, it wasn't called that because there was no such thing back when I was 17, but essentially it was like a mental health, uh, weekend i went home during uh the season when i was in the western hockey league because i was about to have a mental breakdown and uh so i can understand um fully what, what he was going through like it's uh it would be close to jail like they're they're pretty much locked in saying you have to do this you can't go there you can't it would be plus they don't know what's going on outside the world because of covid 19 it would just be all very hard so i think like you said i think the nhl has done a fabulous job and, and kudos to the players the refs and all the staff uh, that have you know given their lives uh, to the bubble uh, for not, for our entertainment and all of that because I think you know there's a lot of people that are involved that we don't really see or give credit to. Uh, I wonder about these people on the ice, the ice girls with the shovels. They got to be in the bubble too, right? Like they're getting right close to the players. You know, like in between whistles, the people shoveling the snow and the zamboni drivers and all those people, right? Like I would think that they probably aren't. Because you're only allowed 52 per team, right? Like, that's yeah. everybody. And yeah. so I don't think the people that are working in the arena and that kind of thing, they're probably, you know, they're probably a, a, aside from that because, yeah. you know, they're, they're not really interacting that closely with the players. But, yeah. you know, I mean, they're risking, they're also, you know, I mean, that's a risk, isn't it? You know, I mean, I mean, I think the great thing about, about this is the NHL's done like 32,000 COVID tests and not a single positive. Like, yeah. In terms of the pandemic itself, there might not be a safer place to be. <laughs> no doubt, that's 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 a good, that's a really good point, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so, but, but, uh, but, yeah. I mean, and that speaks to I think the job that the NHL's done and what the players have done. Like, they had to buy in. Like, they had to buy in on this, and the buy-in has been nothing short of remarkable. Like, nobody's, you know, that we know of has sort of tried to sneak out or you know violate anything they've they've done they've done a great job yeah and well i mean you see the thing about the canucks had a little party or something after their year-end party their year-end did you see that i don't know what that was all about but uh, uh, well, Ovi had a had a big party in russia for his 35th birthday and there was like a couple hundred people there <laughs> oh my god that doesn't surprise me he's he's something else have you ever met him mm-hmm. what's he like I've met him. I, I've, I've known him since his rookie season. Um, I like, I like Ovi and I, I think he's, I think he's got a ton of personality. I think a lot of it's been beaten out of him over the years. Um, I remember talking to him when he was a rookie and he would just, he'd just say anything and he was always smiling. And I remember once I said, um, cause I always remember how I felt when I scored the very first goal I scored. It was like, I was in squirt hockey playing outdoors in Sudbury, Ontario, and I can recreate that goal in my mind a million times. And it was like, seriously, like 54 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> like it was a long time ago. And I know I can, I can describe that goal. And I remember scoring it and putting my hands up and feeling like I was the only person in the world. And it was such a special feeling. And I said to him, I said, how do you feel when you score a goal? for someone that scores as many as you do, how do you feel? And he goes, I just want more. I just want to score another one. That's how I feel. When I score. And, and he was so brash and funny and had a lot of personality and he still does, but I think a lot of it's kind of been beaten out of him over the years. And now he kind of, he's kind of more, 
you know, he's more stock answers and that sort of thing, but no yeah. question. He's, a, he's an incredible talent. Um, arguably the greatest goal scorer in the history of the game. Yeah. I, I, I would tend to, I would tend to lean to that. I mean, people, I don't, I'm not the, I'm not the Gretzky guy. I think Lemieux is the best ever. So uh, I don't look at records and all of that. I just, and, and everything. Listen, I, People can freak out on me all they want. I'm not saying Gretzky isn't one of the greatest. He certainly is. But Bobby Orr and Lemieux, in my opinion, uh, were, were better than him, um, but nobody else. Uh, you know, I just, I'd like to ask you a, a couple more questions before I let you go. Who do you think, who do you think right now? I mean, yes, McDavid is, is like maybe the most, most explosive, but if you were a GM uh, and you could pick any one player uh, in every position, uh, D forward goalie, who would they be? Wow. Okay. Well, uh, okay. Well, forward, like, are we going to break it down wing or just forward? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Make a, make a full line, make a full lineup for me. Six players. Okay. Well at forward, I would probably have Connor McDavid. Can guys play out of position? Can yep, Nathan McKinnon sure. be on this line too? Absolutely. He can. Oh. Yeah. Okay, well then, Connor McDavid and Nathan McKinnon, because I think those yeah. are the two best players in the world right now. I think Connor McDavid is the best player in the world. He does things at, at high speed that I've never seen anybody ever do. Um, so I, I, I would have him, but I would play Nathan McKinnon out of position uh, as the other centerman. Um, my, on my left wing or right wing, whichever one McKinnon doesn't want to play, I'd probably have Nikita Kucherov. Um, on defense, I would... On defense right now, the two guys that I would have are Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes. Um, just because they're two of the best defensemen uh, around, um, years old, um, and they're just going to get better, and they're both going to be competing for Norris trophies. Miro Heiskanen's right there too. In goal, wow, that's that's a tough one. Um, we're always we're just guessing with goalies now, aren't we? Like. Like, aren't we just guessing with goalies right now? Um, I'll take Thatcher Demko because, again, young guy, uh, really showed – like, I thought he was almost Ken Dryden-esque in the playoffs this year when he came in, and uh, and he's got a great future ahead of him. So, I mean, that would be my that would be my starting line, and you, you go ahead and put out whoever you want. <laughs> go ahead. Just put out whoever right. you want. I'll beat you every right. time. Exactly. I know you couldn't go wrong with that. You know, I really like, uh, I really like Matthew Barzell up front as well. I just, I, I met him. I talked about him all the time. I met him when he was a young kid and I, I just, I know the compete he has and I just watched him in these playoffs and, um, I think he may be um, vying for the best player in the world here in a couple of years. I don't know if he has that explosive speed like McKinnon and McDavid, but uh, man, does he ever control a game? Like he, he just, he just slows it right down. And, and to me, I think he's uh, somebody to watch. I mean, people are always watching him already, but uh, I think he's uh, he's definitely right. He's going to be right up there in that category with those guys. But I mean, yeah, McKinnon, McKinnon, I think right now uh, is probably, in my opinion, the best player in the world. If you go back on the playoffs and everything, what he was doing, and just uh, just his speed alone is just incredible. He was he was incredible. He was incredible. He 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 carried that team for two months. Um, you know, just a, just a magnificent talent. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna sub out Kucherov. I didn't have time to think about this, so I'm gonna sub out Kucherov. I'm actually gonna put Braden Point in there. Um, nice. Nice to one. me, Braden Point is one of the best throwbacks ever. Um, plays center, kills penalties, checks, scores. 
you know, he, he, he's really worked on his skating, which he's made himself into an above average skater at the NHL level. And there's a guy that, you know, I mean, tonight I'm going to be, if, if Tampa's leading and winning this game, I'm going to be voting on the, uh, Con Smythe trophy. And for me, like, is it Hedman? Is it point? Is it Kucherov? That's going to be the big question. And uh, it's one that I've been wrestling with all day and I'll continue to wrestle with it until I actually have to check off the box. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, I forgot. Yeah. You get that, you get that, uh, bestowed honor. Um, that's pretty cool. Uh, who do you think, I mean, you can, you don't have to tell us who you're going to vote for, but if you had to, I mean, who do you think that the people, I mean, your friends in the, in the writing community and the, in the sports community, who do you think they're leaning towards right now? Um, well, like I said, I think it's pretty clear. There's three, there's three, there's three people that are up for this award. Nikita Kucherov, Victor Hedman, Braden Point. I would be, I would tend to think that Victor Hedman might be the guy. Um, he's got more goals and more points than any defenseman in the playoffs. He's got 10 goals. You know, only Paul Coffey and Brian Leach have had more in the playoffs uh, over the course of the, the um, over the course of history. Um, you know, he's just, he's a horse. Like, he is a horse and just controls the game. Um, you know, just a, just a, a magnificent talent. Um, really poised back there. Uh, so I, I would think, I would say that if it's, if it's, if it were given out right now, I would say it would probably go to Victor Hedman. I'm not sure he would be my first choice. I I'm really, I'm really between Braden point and Victor Hedman at this point. Um, and I don't know, and it may very well be a coin flip. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you, so what you still, you're still saying Tampa in six, eh? Well, before you answer, I just want to quickly say, um, I talk about Jamie Ben all the time. He has a crazy knob on the top of his stick. And I was telling Matt Thompson, who is a, my, one of my new best friends, the one who told me about Matthew Lezinski. Well, anyways, I was always telling him about this knob of Jamie Ben. So he sent me this picture. I just wanted to show you. And I and this is Braden Point. If you look at their knobs on their yeah. sticks, look at Ben's knob, like the knob, and then look at Braden Point's knob of their stick. I've never seen anything like that in my life. So that's a screenshot from the game last night. If you look, that's before a face-off. Crazy, crazy. So just for the kids watching, maybe something to try. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's something that we don't know about. But I know that Jamie Ben's knob was like, seriously, and when I played with McClone, it was like he took a whole brand new roll of white tape and just stuck it on the top of his stick. And that's what it was like. And he would just stick his pinky on the top of that and hold his stick. It was so weird. And I was like, man, I don't know how you do it. But hey, seemed to work. Art Ross and uh, Olympic gold. And, you know, he's in, he's in the finals. He's probably not going to win. I hope he does. I really hope they come back. Uh, but Ken, listen, man, I appreciate you doing this, uh, big time. Um, and I really want to say thank you so much too for, for the amazing article, uh, a few months ago and, uh, hopefully one day, uh, down the road, we can, we can work together on something again and, and all that. So thank you though, for, for just sharing not only my story in that article, but the story of Matthew Lozinski and the puck sports foundation, that sort of stuff, just all of, uh, all that good stuff. So we appreciate you, uh, bringing light to the hard issues um even when people are not always going to like it um people are not always going to like the things i'm saying either um and uh i'm about to go on a little bit more of a tear uh to make some changes because like yourself um i think there's some big changes that need to be made and uh i can't do it alone but there's a few of us um not sure i'm not saying like another lawsuit or nothing like that no i just it's time to stand up uh make some noise and 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 be the change and and 
Uh, thank you so much, Ken, for all that you do for the hockey community, telling the the true stories, the the hard stories, um, and uh, from a from a player, a fan. I truly appreciate it, Ken. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me, Brady. And you keep up what you're doing too. I think what you're doing is fantastic. I th- I I I I didn't know, even know who you were until we became friends on Facebook. I don't know when. Uh, I guess shortly after you got out of uh, out of out of jail and. Uh, and we've talked a lot since then. I've, I've heard your story. I know your story. And, uh, you know, I mean, you said you had a couple of couple of tough days. Um, but, you know, it's all about how we deal with reality, right? Like, that's, that's kind of where the rubber hits the road. And I think you're so much more equipped to deal with reality better now than you've ever been. And uh, I just keep seeing the things you're doing and hearing the things that you're doing. And I, I, I don't even like we've never even met in person. Hopefully after the pandemic, we will be able to. But I'm, I'm proud of what you're doing. And I just want to know that uh, I, I hope you can I hope you can keep it up. And I'm, I'm confident that you will. Thank you so much. And guys, to Ken also, um, you know, I wrote the uh, mission statement for the Puck Sport Foundation, but he rewrote it because he's a professional writer and such a great guy. So, Ken, thank you so much for that. I'm going to play it to at the end for anyone that hasn't heard it it's it's unbelievable so we have ken campbell senior writer of the hockey news to thank you for that guys check out ken uh on twitter uh and of course check out the hockey news all his great pieces ken man thank you so much thank you we'll talk soon buddy for sure all right guys thank you so much for watching um i'm really having a hard day That was a hard episode for me to get through. Thank you for bearing with me. I'm okay, though. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Things are good. Like, honestly, things are good. It's just, yeah. I'm getting, uh, I'll I'll just tell you guys. I'm going to be going up to Matt's for a little bit. uh, Spend some time up there um, and do some coaching which is cool. Um, and uh, I'm going to be in North Bay tomorrow morning on the ice uh, with Dan Spence and 360 goaltending. Uh, I'm going to be with Liam Arnsby from the North Bay Battalion. A um, few others, uh, Doug Saunders, who's Liam's billet. Uh, we're going to go for breakfast out in North Bay. Uh, then I'm heading back up to Morrisburg uh, to spend some more time with Matt, um, do some work with him, make some money. Uh, get going, get on the ice, start training for the upcoming senior season. Uh, but yeah, I just, guys, listen, there's, thank you so much for the support. Um, because I'll be honest, uh, I was going through, uh, some really like hard times, you know, I just felt really disconnected from everything in my family because they're in BC and I'm in Ontario and I'm sure my girlfriend's here and the kids, but sometimes it's like, you just want to see your mom or your dad or just, you know what I mean? And it's hard sometimes, right? And I haven't seen them for like three years. So it's been a struggle, but I'm going to get through it. Um, And at the end of the day, I didn't use drugs. So it's a huge, huge step for me. It's a huge victory. Um, And I think it, it may have happened if I didn't have the support, like literally I'll tell you, I didn't even have a chance to, to even think about doing it because my phone doesn't stop and my phone doesn't stop with positive people. So thank you to everybody. 
it's like as soon as anybody gets a inclination inkling that I'm having a hard time, I had like seriously over 50 people, probably close to a hundred, you know, offering their support. And to me, guys, that's amazing. Not too long ago, there was 50 or a hundred people hiding if they saw me coming down the street. So, um, thank you. Uh, it gives me hope that I can get through anything. If I can get through, um, what happened this weekend with just everything. Um, and certainly I acted in, in some ways, uh, this over the past two days, just with acting out my anger and things like that, um, where I, I look at myself and I'm like, wow, you need to, you, you need to make some, some definite changes and to continue on the road that you're, you're going down. Um, but that's okay. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, you know, I definitely, uh, made some mistakes and said some hurtful things to Taylor, uh, and things of that nature. Uh, but you know, nothing that we can't get through. Um, and it wasn't just me. It wasn't like a, a one-sided thing, guys. It's, uh, just want to say it's, it really has nothing to do with Taylor or I. It's, uh, an outside issue, um, that was causing problems, uh, for us, um, and the family. Uh, but I'm happy to say that it's being dealt with in the proper manner. Um, I almost dealt with it in the manner, uh, that I would have dealt with in my past life. And, I essentially relapsed in a sense, not on drugs, but into like old behaviors, you know, that anger of wanting to be violent and deal with things with violence. And I just didn't like the way I was feeling. Um, you know, somebody came into our house and, and, and took some things of mine and um, someone close to us and uh, it just, you know, and it wasn't just once and then we forgot about it and then it happened again and again and again and again until finally I snapped. And uh, luckily, uh, nothing too serious happened uh, and I was able to calm down and get out of the situation and uh, everything has kind of cooled down a little bit. Uh, but I just want to say, everyone, thank you. Thank you so much for your support. Um, I almost didn't make it. I almost didn't make it. I almost just wanted to shut everything down. I just, I just wanted to quit, but I couldn't. So thank you. Thank you to everybody that supported me. Seriously, Matt Thompson, man. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Dan Spence, thank you. Taylor, thank you. I love you. I'm sorry for the crazy couple days. Um, but you know that I was just doing it for us and all that. So listen, time to move forward. Yesterday is yesterday. We're still here. We keep our head high. Stay positive. And we just keep moving forward even when it's hard, even when it's hard. I'll be honest too. Before doing episode 55, I was so down, so uninspired, 
just so hurt. Um, just with things that gone on, like I said, somebody just kept stealing from us, somebody close to us. Um, and not only that, just, you know, messing with things that shouldn't have been messed with. And that's all I'm going to say that affected not only Taylor, but could have affected the kid as well, pregnant kid. And, um, the person who did this, you will get dealt with. Karma will get you. It took everything in my power. It's still taking everything in my power to not just take my head headset off and go deal with this. But I know, I know that that won't do anything. All that will do is cause more problems. So what I will do is I will take a big, big, deep breath. I will be grateful for the things that I have. I will make the right choice. The right choice. I won't relapse and use drugs to, you know, mask out my pain because I know it won't anyways. I know these things today. But it's not easy. So I'm here to tell you, recovery no matter what stage you're in, it's never easy. Life is not easy. Dealing with mental health is not easy. Dealing with family members is not easy. But listen, there's support out there. If I didn't have that support, I don't think episode 55 would have happened. I think I could have went like this. So thank you so much. I know now that I can deal with anything in my recovery seriously because I was pushed and pushed and pushed further than I ever thought I could um, with handling, without handling it the way that I did. Like I, I still am disappointed in myself for being angry and doing some of the things, but at the end of the day, I, I still, I still am okay. Right. And I'm proud of myself for that. So long ways to go. I'm going to stop rambling right now. Huge thanks to Ken Campbell of the hockey news. Check him out guys. Follow him at THN Ken Campbell, www.thehockeynews.com guys. Uh, he's gotten several books. Uh, so many good ones. This one here, Habs heroes, check it out. Uh, he's written for by John Bellabo. Pretty sick. Lots of good books, guys. Check him out. Uh, He's always honest, right? Ken is, he shares his stories to the best of his knowledge with the information that he has and people don't always like it, but I do. And I'm here to stand up beside all the people that want to see change in the game of hockey. Uh, and I'll take the bullet. I'll take a bullet to see change. doesn't bother me. I'll go down for the team anytime, anytime. Thank you so much. Thank you so, so much. When I leave, when I shut off, I'm going to leave you guys with, uh, the uh, mission statement for the Puck Sport Foundation, which of course was written by Ken Campbell, voiceover work by Steve Buckley. Guys, listen, please, please, please check out the Puck Support Foundation, pucksupport.com, on social media, at Puck Support, guys. If you want a custom hoodie, they're coming. Let me know your name and number, which you want. I'll get you a price. All proceeds are going to the Pucks of Our Foundation. This one makes me so happy. I can't wait to see this uh, hanging in the studio. Uh, custom hoodies coming. 
shirts and t-shirts also guys masks those are masks there we're gonna have puck support foundation masks all proceeds guys there's a sweatsuit goes to the puck support foundation so thank you guys check it out pucksport.com they're going to be available on the website shortly i'm just waiting um for the shipment should be available in the next month but if you want a custom hoodie like this one with your name and number they're gonna have skate laces in the top there let me know you can get it on the first order um they're pretty sick i think anyways check it out guys puck support the team when the team is no longer there get involved guys please 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 the puck support foundation gratitude crusade is going on uh thank you to everybody who's donated you will be on the matthew lazinski wall of gratitude for being a builder of the puck support foundation thank you thank you thank you this needs to happen mental health and addiction and hockey are real things um, not only for players, but for coaches and parents and the whole hockey community. Maybe you're a player or a parent and things are good right now. I hope they stay that way, but guess what? Life happens. Sometimes things happen that we're not expecting. Help us build the Puck Sport Foundation so that we can be there for the players and coaches and parents that need us when they need somebody, when the team is no longer there. Guys, it's amazing. The Puck Sport Foundation is unbelievable. And yesterday, you guys helped save me so thank you so much uh if you guys want to support me directly uh you can do so on patreon uh www.patreon.com uh slash hockey to heroin uh here's a picture of me sending the picture to david carlson uh that's a signed picture there uh that i mailed to david carlson as part of uh the tier system and Patreon. Oh, I never noticed there's Billy Girl, my dog there on the bottom corner of the picture. My little dog, my little chocolate lab. Uh, so I sent that picture to David Carlson. Also, Brenna Leary and my auntie Lee Chrischuk has one coming as well. If you want to support me directly, you can do so on Patreon. If you want your own very own signed poster like this one, uh, sign up. www.patreon.com slash hockey to heroin. Uh, also you can check out, uh, hockey to heroin.com. Um, and you can follow me on social media at hockey to heroin at hockey to heroin podcast. <sighs> I take a breath. It's been a really hard couple days, but I got through it. 55 is done. 56 is next. We're still rolling. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you to God for helping me get through this. Thank you so much to everybody who's listened, continues to listen and supported me. If you're struggling, guys, please, 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 please reach out. Don't sit there and suffer in silence. Please don't. Reach out. It's okay to not be okay. Just get the support and the help that you need. It is okay. We all struggle. Don't sit there alone. You don't have to. You don't have to. I'm here for you. You can email me, Brady, at Puck Support. Definitely check out the Puck Support website. I've said it a hundred times. So hope you guys all have a great, great weekend. Take care of each other. No drinking, no driving. Change your attitude. Change your perspective. And remember, have a great day if you so choose.
even though every child who plays hockey dreams of one day making the NHL. Winning a Stanley Cup and making millions of dollars. The fact is that very few of them do. Some end up with serious mental health and addiction issues, often long after the cheering stops and their safety net has vanished. The Buck Support Foundation is a nonprofit charity that is committed to providing relief for any player or coach, active or retired, who is struggling with these issues. We try to do that by providing a safe platform for hockey players to receive the help they need, confidentially and without fear of judgment. We intend to do that by working with mental health and addiction professionals to find and provide our brothers and sisters with the best prevention and treatment method and by providing a toll-free line that can be used by anyone, anytime, anywhere. Let's get ready to talk about it.